here's what we're going to do. We're going to be playing a game called Bring It Back or No That's Whack. Okay? <laughs> okay? So, as you can see here, the first image is of bell-bottom jeans. Okay? So, if what we're going to do here is if you are team Bring It Back, you're going to go, Woo! Yeah! And cheer! And if you're on team... No, that's whack. You're going to go, boo. That means you want it to stay in memory's past where it was, where it is currently, okay? All right, so at the same time, bell-bottom jeans. Boo! <laughs> this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Joe. We need to start a GoFundMe to get Joe to wear his bell-bottom jeans. The church. Yeah, Trina doesn't want to be here when it happens. I think that is totally appropriate response. All right, can you go to the next one here for me? Okay, we got cereal straws. Okay, these are things you can use to, you know, flavor your milk as you drink it, or you can suck suck up the last of the milk in your cereal bowl. Okay, one, two, three. Really? I think these are fun. <laughs> I'm going to put in the recording for the rest of time. Cereal straws are great. Okay, next one, please. Or, okay, I can control it now. Okay. <laughs> Wax bottle candy. Okay, one, two, three. You guys are just pulling my leg. There's no way you want wax bottle candy chewing on something that's half a step away from being gasoline <laughs> rather than cereal straws. Um, mm. Joanne. Joanne. Joanne, don't. You can't lie in church. I like NECA wafers. I'm totally pro NECA wafers. My dad likes all the weird candy. My dad, he's black licorice for fun. And he still doesn't like wax candy bottles, okay? All right, next one. Cha-Cha, which is the uh, text search engine that was really popular in the 2000s. You could text him a question. And a real-life person would be like, let me search it for you. And you'd have a conversation back and forth with a person. This is before Google. Okay. On one, two, three. You want Cha-Cha back? I know that during, like, my generation, like, you just cha-cha for fun. You know, you, like, just ask random questions, okay? What about, what about sideburns? Okay, I, I, I'm already hearing an overwhelming yes. Where are the boos? Where are the boos? <laughs> Did Ken ever have sideburns, Deb? <laughs> okay, okay. Chuck E. Cheese. I know it's still around, but it's not nearly as popular, okay? I remember being traumatized <laughs> by giant animatronic animals. On the count of three. One, two, three. <laughs> they did have good pizza, though. I mean, I will admit, their pizza was actually pretty decent. As a, as a kid, that was a highlight of my life. All right. What about wood-paneled station wagons? One, two, three, come on, let me hear. 
I think I would take every car I own with a wood panel on the side for the rest of my life. I am totally pro wood panel. And like station wagons, come on, they're, they're classic cars. I wish my car was a station wagon, but Amber would hate it even more. But me and Hank, we got a relationship. Okay. Heelys. These are, these are shoes you with like rollerblades in the back. When I was in sixth grade, I remember I was just like walking down the hallway and I didn't know what Heelys were. And this kid just goes, whoosh, whoosh, flies past me. I'm like, what are those? <laughs> and I would guarantee break something if I tried using Heelys, even back then. Okay, what do you guys think? Yes or no? <laughs> Nene is pro Heelys. <laughs> All right, okay. What about bowl cuts? <laughs> I guarantee some of you have a picture that looks just like this somewhere. <laughs> this is like little Ricky in like fourth grade or something. <laughs> it's, well, what they do is they put the line on yours, Joe, and then they shave everything above it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, what do you guys think? Yes or no? That's whack. <laughs> That's what John said. Okay. Amber, I did this one for you. Lava lamps. Okay, you guys are pro lava lamps, it sounds like. The first thing, no joke. Here's a real story. The first thing Amber bought with her own money in her entire life was a lava lamp. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have it somewhere? Is it long gone? Yeah, that's true. All right. What do you guys think of metal merry-go-rounds? Yes or no? If you didn't get thrown off a metal merry-go-round as a kid, it shows, okay? I grew up... My, my, my elementary... My middle school was... My grandfather's high school. Okay, so they had some old playground equipment. And they had a metal merry-go-round. And it was just total carnage. It was like the Coliseum for four-year-olds, okay? <laughs> it was crazy. But they, they, they teach you to assess risk, which I think is important. <laughs> Polaroid cameras. Uh, you want to go to the next one? Or click back on the pro presenter for me. Polaroid cameras. What do you think? Yes or no? Okay. Okay. What about scratch and stiff stickers? <laughs> Let me tell you, anything that is that thin that can hold a scent for years, decades, there has to be something like there's uranium in that or something. That is not safe. But they are fun. Okay. What about sea monkeys? You know, the little crustaceans that look nothing like these illustrations of these weird humanoid things that are terrifying. What do you think? Yes or, yes or no? Sea monkeys. <laughs> Leona's like, I don't want that thing anywhere near me. Just get it away. Another image I'm sure that Rick has somewhere in his life is tube socks. Can you go to the next one? Okay. <laughs> Joe, why are you laughing? How about this? 
$100, you cut off your bell-bottom jeans. One is a, a short, a jort, with, with, with a tube sock, and the other is just a full-length pant, pant leg. Is that something you'd entertain? Okay. Okay. So what do you guys think? Yes or no? Tube socks. I think Rick kind of wants them back. Do you want them back? Rick wants the tube sock back. All right. Last one here. Water beds. <laughs> Raise your hand if you ever had a water bed. Nene. Wait, keep your hands up for a second. I need to really pay attention. Everybody is over 30, except Nene, but his was a hand-me-down waterbed. Wait, you had a waterbed? What do you guys, like, bring it back or no? Was it a good thing? I just can't imagine the mess. (laughs) What? It will if it breaks. It would be a terrible mess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So as we are well aware, things come and go, right? And some things are better left in the past. Like bowl cuts and tube socks with shorts. On the other hand, when things change, it's kind of sad because they were great. But if one thing in life is certain is that things will change, right? And change is what makes life beautiful. It's what makes life hard all at the same time. And the final change, the final inevitable thing that's going to change is death. Like Ecclesiastes makes that clear. We're all going to die. That is one thing that we're all going to go through. And I want to remind you that We're in this series called Living in Reverse, where we're looking at the book of Ecclesiastes to teach us about what is important in life, looking at the conclusion, as it says in Ecclesiastes 12, uh, 13, 14. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God, keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act of judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. So that's the end of life. Everything's going to be judged, and the only thing that really matters to fear God and keep his commandments. So in order not to waste our lives, we're working our way backwards, right? We're looking at how Solomon came to those conclusions, what he saw as valuable in life, so that we don't waste ours. All right, so go ahead, turn to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3 and 4 with me. We looked at 1 and 2 last week. And the little game that we played this morning really ties into what uh, chapter 3 says. So let's go ahead and read Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. Time to tear down and time to build up. Time to weep and a time to laugh. Time to mourn and a time to dance. 
time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing, time to search and a time to give up at lost, time to keep and a time to throw away, time to tear apart and a time to sew together, time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. So the book of Ecclesiastes, as we've already stated, expects us to be students, to take the position of the student when we read this. So we need to ask ourselves, why is this included? And at first it seems like obvious information, right? Of course, things come and go, things change. But the importance of this verse, these verses, is not to point out the obvious, but to give us the understanding that everything is temporary. which is very much in line with the teaching that we get from the first two chapters. And the temporary nature of things means that we need to make the most of them. And the whole point of this book, as we already said, is that we're going to die. One day, we are going to die. Solomon makes that very point in verse 2. There's a time to give birth, time to die. And also, in this list of temporary things are the different seasons and times that we go through in life. And how many of us are always rushing around trying to get to the next season, right? We're just looking forward to the next thing so much that we're leaving what's currently happening behind. We're not involved in the immediate or the present. We're worried about something else, looking forward to something else. And in times of pain and mourning, we can be glazed over. Right? We can push our feelings down and we can run away from them. And in good times, we don't appreciate where we are. We don't take time to thank God for the good times, which is wrong. And because life is short, we need to be mindful of the seasons. We, we are bound to what we are doing, the current season that we are in. And to do it justice, we need to be present in that season. Because I think naturally as humans, we have this tendency to be dissatisfied with where we are. Kind of the grass is always greener on the other side mentality. But we need to embrace our seasons. And I know that many of us are going through some hard seasons. But don't worry, they will pass. And I know that some of us are in some good seasons. Don't worry, they'll pass too. And how many of us look back and wish we could have invested more in a person that's now gone? Sorry. I knew I was going to do that. How many of us wish you could have went back and really took in this time in our life where we learned a lot? Things were good. How many of us wish, wish we could go back to a different time where we could enjoy something that's gone? I was just thinking the other day, I wish I could go back to my wedding and just be an observer, you know, because I was caught up in the chaos of it all. I just, and my emotions were so high. I was just so involved with it. I'm like, it's just like, there, there are parts of it. I remember the feeling of it, but I wish I could go back just to really take it in because it was just awesome. It was a great party with all the people I love. 
There were like 50 different kinds of pop there. It was, it was great. However, we know we can't go back, right? We know we can't. We can't recapture what has already passed. But what we can do is take advantage of the present. So that the next time we think about these things, we don't have those regrets for our current moments. Right? To be present in them. And more importantly, if we are present, if we are mindful, we can honor God with what we're doing. Which is way, way more important. So I want us to be aware of our seasons. And I think that's what Solomon is telling us. To be aware of our seasons so that we can be praying and listening to God in those seasons. To be really deeply involved in them. Remember, there is a time for everything. And in that time, give it your all. Make God a part of it. And know that it's only temporary. But even though our lives are temporary and these seasons are temporary, not everything is temporary. Look at verses 11 through 15. He has made everything appropriate in his time. He has also set eternity in their hearts, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, That every man who eats and drinks sees good in all of his labor. It is a gift of God. I know that everything uh, God does will remain forever. There is nothing to add to it. There is nothing to take from it. For God has so worked that men should fear him. That which has already been and that which will uh, be has already been. For God seeks what has passed by. So God has put in us the spark of eternity, right? We yearn to live forever, right? I, I, in 2021, here's a crazy fact. The United States spent $62.6 billion in anti-aging stuff, like in the anti-aging market, which is just a lot of money. And we try to fight that we try to fight death, we try to fight aging because I think we have this innate sense that there's something wrong with death. Right? Death, death is not the way it should be, it is wrong. And I think that's because God created us to live forever, and that is the promise which He is going to give us if we believe in His Son, which is eternal life. And on top of that, another thing that is eternal is God. And what he does, his works. The realization of this eternity, of God's eternity, his immense power, that should cause us to fear him. Right? That, that should, like, wow. He is big and powerful. We should honor and respect him. And this is one of the principles that Solomon gives us at the end of this book. We see the, the formation of the idea right here, which is fear God and keep his commandments. Right? And we also see another principle, another conclusion principle right here in 15 when it says, God seeks what has passed by. Some of your translations may something like, say something like, God will call the past to account. God seeks what has been driven away. God seeks that which has passed away. God summons each event back in its turn. 
So this goes back to the idea that life is kind of circular, that things happen over and over again. But it's also the idea that God will bring every act, good or evil, into judgment. Right? This idea that God is able to remember what has happened. Solomon's life is just as clear to God as today is to us. All right? So those evil and good acts, God is going to seek those things. And he's going to bring everything into judgment. Everything that has passed by, God will find. I guess that's the perks of being an eternal and all-knowing being, I suppose, is that you can do those kinds of things. God doesn't forget. Well, let's go ahead and move on to chapter 4. Let's look at the first four verses here. Speaking of God not forgetting. Then I looked again at the acts of oppression which were being done under the sun. And behold, I saw the tears of the oppressed, that they had no one to comfort them. And on the side of your oppressors was power, but they had no one to comfort them. So I congratulated the dead who are already dead more than the living who are still living. But better off of those, better off than both of them is the one who has never existed, who has never seen the evil activity that is done under the sun. I have seen that every labor and every skill which is done is the result of rivalry between man and his neighbor. This too is vanity and striving after wind. Man, some sad words, right? <laughs> this is a reality check. Solomon is bluntly showing us the brokenness of the world. That the world is falling apart. Which was obvious to him and it's obvious today to us. But remember, God doesn't forget. Right? So everything that was wrong, God is going to make sure there's justice for. So when we see wrong, we can be assured that God is going to fix it one day. And then in verse 4, we also get this critique of life that I think we all should take to heart. I have seen every labor of every skill which is done as the result of rivalry between a man and his neighbor. This too is vanity and striving after wind. This is the 3,000-year-old version of keeping up with the Joneses, right? <laughs> this is what he's saying, that Solomon sees that a lot of our effort comes from envy and jealousy of what other people have and what they're doing. We see the people around us, and so we replicate them. We respond to them by doing what they're doing and seeking what they're seeking. But Solomon says that's meaningless. There's nothing in that. And in case you haven't realized, it's not a good way to live. So readjust if that's where you're at. It doesn't bring satisfaction. And in continuing with that thought of this avenue of how we can waste our work, how we can waste our lives, look at verses 7 and 8. Then I looked again at vanity under the sun. There was a man without a dependent, having neither a son nor a brother, yet there was no end to all of his labor. Indeed, his eyes were not satisfied with riches, and he never asked, And for whom am I laboring and depriving myself of pleasure? This too is vanity and a grievous act. Sometimes we get so focused on one thing in our life that we forget the reason we're doing it. We forget what else there is. 
It's as if our life is held up in the value of the thing that we're doing. Right? It can be any number of things, activities, hobbies, responsibilities, in this case, work. So ask yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing? What benefit is there? Is it worth my time? Is there something else that would bring God honor? And we can't read chapter 4 without reading the most popular wedding verse. I think there is. Let's look at it, uh, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the other will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls where there is no one to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. And then this is, you hear it in every sermon, or every wedding ceremony, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken or torn apart, right? I mean, I think every Christian wedding ceremony I've been to has quoted that, which is, it's a good passage to talk about that we're not supposed to be living life alone, that there is power in relationships. And Solomon wants us to get that idea as well, that in the midst of this very raw and real book where he's talking about death and things that are useless and not meaningful, relationships and people are, which I think is really powerful and interesting. And at the end of our life, when we look back, it's the people and the relationships that are going to be important to us. And even more importantly than that, our relationship with God is going to be what's extremely valuable. So go ahead and put your bookmark there in Ecclesiastes for now. And let's go ahead and sum up what we've looked at so far. Number one, life is lived in seasons. And it is okay. It is okay to realize that things are temporary. Because if we don't, it can be really easy to let things just pass us by. To always be looking for something new. Always looking to the next thing. Especially when things are difficult. Right? When we have bad jobs. When people we love are sick. When finances are tight. When relationships get broken. It is hard to be present in those times. But I think we can do God justice in that. And remember, things are bad. Everything is temporary. In this age, nothing lasts forever. Solomon wants us to live life with the reality that things are short. And that everything has a time. And sometimes we are speaking up when we need to be quiet and listen. Sometimes we are holding on when we need to let go. Sometimes we are rushing forward when we need to be standing still. And to live a godly life means to live in the season. To be mindful of where you are and what God is doing and making the best of that situation. And Solomon says at the end of chapter 3, I have seen that nothing is better, that man should be happy in all of his activities, for that is his lot. For who will bring him to see what will occur after him? Right? This is our life right now. Number two. Live for 
eternity. By this, I mean we need to live with eternity in mind. Right? When we look deep within ourselves, we know that there is something wrong with death. And I think people all around the world for all of time have realized there's something beyond us. There's something beyond this right now. And that may be the reason some of us are here today. Because we had that feeling that there's something beyond us. That there's something more that we need to be paying attention to. And people have searched for that because I think God has built that into us. Thankfully, God also answers all those questions of why are we here? What are we doing? What's actually important? God has given us those answers in his scripture. And knowing that eternity is coming, we need to live this short life preparing for that, right? What we're doing now is just a blip in the, in the grand scheme of eternity. So let's live this life now with that in mind. And lastly, don't work for the wrong reasons. There are a lot, of reason, a lot of reasons we can labor, that we can do work. We can uh, be driven by our need for success. We can be driven by envy and jealousy. We can do things, push ourselves to do things that we never would have done because we think we need something that someone else has. And maybe even the worst reason of all is no reason at all. You, you look up one day and you realize, what have I been doing? What is going on in my life? Why have I been working so hard at this or that? We can spend our whole lives doing something and have no idea why. And that, frankly, scares me to death. To be able to wake up one day and be like, what was the point of it all? That's exactly what Ecclesiastes is trying to make us avoid. To live life with purpose. To do things for the right reasons. To do the right things. So that we do not waste our lives. So I hope uh, you go ahead and and read ahead. Chapters 5 and 6 for next week. And now that we are starting to create more ideas about where Solomon's heading, hopefully that influences our lives today. From here on out, we can be more present. Right? And remember that on the other side of this age, in the new age, nothing will fade. Nothing will be lost. We will live forever with God and His Son, Jesus. Please pray with me. God, I just thank you for the wisdom that you give us to shape our lives, to guide us, to live what is ultimately fulfilling. I just pray that you remind us of these things every single day. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.